0: Good morning everybody. Welcome back to a beautiful day here in March. It's March 6th, Tim. How are you doing? First of all, thank you everybody for joining us. We appreciate it. We really earnestly appreciate it. Back to you, Tim. How are you doing today?
1: I'm great. It is beautiful. It's like 66, not a cloud in the sky here in North Carolina.
0: Is it beautiful in Michigan? No, 35 and cloudy. But you know what yeah, do you expect? Nice. It's March. Every time you see you say North Carolina. I just think of Pete Pablo. This one's so annoying. I still don't Carolina. know who that is. You gotta just YouTube it, man. It's a great song. It was the hit in like nineteen ninety-nine, two thousand five-ish. I'm not exactly sure the time, but yeah. It's a good When we were all in first grade. Pete Pablo. One hit wonder. May he rest in peace. I he he's probably not dead. But it's you always good to plan. To no, there's a good chance he doesn't. He did. He didn't seem like a hockey fan. He was more football. Like I think the the video was filmed in a football stadium, and everybody's raising their. You take your shirt off and, and wave it around your head like a helicopter. That's that's the lyrics. <laughs> Anyways, let me know how the the cousins interview went because you get the a lot of the recap. Was it all negative? That's what I want to know.
1: Uh, no, it was good. I think. Um... Yeah, it was good. You could tell he was a little bit – he was on his heels from the beginning, it seemed like. And maybe it started with you opening up the question about asking him about certain trades or something, and he felt maybe uncomfortable answering it. I don't know.
0: But it was good. What would you think? I um, I like Dylan. He's a good kid. I get tired of the, the interviews. And I know you don't like me talking about it because a lot of people like the interviews, and Tim has pulled me aside multiple times and said, you got to pretend like you're interested. You got to pretend like the interviews are are fun. You need to. And then when we do these recaps, he's like, you can't just say they were terrible because people like those interviews because we'll get messages from people saying, wow, I really liked it. But maybe I shouldn't because John said it was so it was super boring. That was boring. And I even told Dylan as we were talking, if you haven't heard it, go back and listen. It's it's not worth a listen. That part. Stop. Yes, it is. Go back and watch the whole thing our part was interesting before when we were recapping trades and such. And then Dylan came in and I don't blame him. What can he say? You know what I mean? And as per usual, as soon as we click stop recording, then the real talk begins. And I'm like, this kid's great. Where was this 20 minutes ago? He was just totally open. He was honest about his opinions. He gave us a, great conversation that would have been fantastic to listen to but you can't do that that's not how you play the game it is what it is i appreciate him coming on the show but it's well it's a tough spot for him to be in you know
1: right but seth jarvis on the other hand another same age like same kind of level similar situation but he was so animated so, like, if he didn't like a question, he wouldn't answer it. But he wasn't gonna give you a boy. He would just be like, "Yeah, nice try," you know. But that was it. Yeah. Um,
0: Seth's a guy you have some beers with. Dylan's the guy you play a game of Monopoly with. If that makes sense, <laughs> you know what I mean. Probably. And they're both yeah, he's, he's good things. good at it too. They're both very good things, but they're just different. Different strokes for different folks. That's what we say in Monopoly. What properties do this? This says a lot about a person. What properties are you going after, Tim? If you're in Monopoly,
1: well, it's hard to go after because so much of it depends. No, on I'm asking you a question. I'm roll. asking. I don't care about availability.
0: In an ideal world, what is your perfect property acquisition? If you're going in a game of Monopoly, if if you could take the dice and roll them, and you know that where they're going to land, what do you want?
1: Yeah, the bigger, the better. Bigger, the better. The like Park Place? Yeah. Yeah, I don't remember boardwalk. the names You ones. want the yeah. blues
0: and the greens, the whole right side of the board?
1: The whole right side, the, the third and fourth wall there,
0: line. So you want yellow, and you want green, and you want Boardwalk Park Place. I can't picture that. Why? Are you rolling your eyes? You would lose. There's no Why? way. Because they're too much money. Yeah, but the taxes. Yeah. It, 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 this is how you win. Monopoly. You get the railroads, you get the light blues, and you get the purples right around the corner. And then if you can get the oranges, you get the oranges. You go cheap. And then you put hotels on them right away. And by the time those other people who got Boardwalk Park Place can get one house on them because houses cost $200, you've already drained them of their bankroll.
1: So in my, it, in, in my family, we played Dogopoly, in which it was a dog theme game. Oh Started gosh. with the Chihuahua all the way up to the St. Bernard or something. And yeah, so I was hanging out with like the Rottweilers and the Dobermans, that that family. That was my. What are you talking fun. about? The theme Monopoly, the Star Wars and Legos and all that. Yeah. Say Star Wars
0: again. No, <laughs> Star Wars. Star <Star-wows. laughs> Do you want to talk about Star Wars? The What Is Star Wars. No. Just get the original. Anyways, moving on. Dylan Cousins, thanks for coming on the show. I don't think we're going to make it a hat trick anytime soon. We got to pump the brakes on that one. Maybe in the offseason. And he listens to the show. And I think he would firmly agree that wasn't his best work. And keep in mind. Was it yours? I was not prepared whatsoever. Right. I thought we would roll into the podcast. And this is how it usually works. We have a ton of notes. And usually I never touch them. Because we just have a conversation. I thought we were just going to talk about trades. We we're going to talk about how teams are standing after the deadline. What he thought of the Sabers' moves or lack thereof of moves. He wasn't. He wasn't biting. So I'm literally scrambling as we're talking because his answers are so concise and short. I'm like, well, what do we talk about next? And I'm like, well, how much do you bench? I'm like, I'm just tra- sure. <laughs> what would you? What you bench? What you bench? And by the way, I must have been the weakest NHL player on the planet because I can't bench nowhere near what these young kids are benching. It's crazy Two, 300 pounds you nuts. I could train for a year and probably not get to 300 pounds, like specifically bench with steroid enhancement. Like I, I, think, I, you can. I think I just you can't can. do it. I just can't do it. Well, I don't want to beat a dead horse, but I'm going to. It's we've had a little time to exhale from the trade deadline, all the action, all the trades, all the stars, moving spots, new faces, new teams, same faces, new places. Let's do a little winners and losers of the deadline, Tim, because there was a lot of action. I don't know if we talked about them all, but you have some ideas of who the winners and losers are. I have some ideas of who the winners and losers are. Let's just get into it. Who were your winners from the trade deadline?
1: Well, a couple of the obvious one: the Rangers. You add Patrick Kane, you add Tarasenko. You don't really give up anything off the roster. That team is stacked on paper, probably the the best team on paper. So you got to give them credit for being one of the winners. Similar with the Leafs; they probably, I think they probably made more moves than anyone. You add O'Reilly, you add Achari, you and all these other pieces. They made a lot of good moves. Luke Shen, I think they're absolutely among the winners. The Bruins, obviously, with um, Orlov, with uh, Hathaway, with Tyler Bertuzzi, who looked really good in his debut over the weekend, picked up an assist, should have had two. And so all good teams. All I'm talking about the, the good teams that are adding up the deadline, all doing a great job of that. So those are kind of my three winners. And then another team that was a seller that I would consider a winner as well was the Predators. Even though they're not having a great season, even though they haven't done a lot of things well this season, the players aren't playing that well, but they had a good trade deadline because they moved a few pieces and got a lot of cap room relief and got a lot of draft picks. They traded Nino Nita Ryder. They traded Grandland right at the end there. They traded, um, who's the other one I'm thinking of? Oh, Ekholm. Tanner Juno went for five picks, including first. So like they did really, really well getting the most of their assets. So those are kind of my four teams that I had circled there.
0: Dmitry Orlov, by the way, is just set a record. He's the third highest point getter for the first four games with an NHL team. So you get acquired in those first four games. He's got the third highest point total. So maybe not a record, but he's top three. The, The first is Haley Cameron. He was acquired by. I don't even know what team it is in 1917. They're not around anymore. Sergei Zubov did it in 1995. He got nine points with Pittsburgh and Orlov just got eight points in his first four games with the Bruins. Not a bad pickup, but my top three, and it's funny. It's a, it's a different list. My number one is the Colorado avalanche, even though they picked up scum of the earth, Lars Eller, who I despise based on our interaction in Montreal. And he knows what he did. The reason they won the deadline is because no one in the West made any moves. The blood was in the water in the Western Conference. You could have really took a run at Colorado if you would have went out there and got one of these superstars. Nobody made any moves. Seismic activity moves. Yes, Barbershop went to Vegas. That's okay. They got Jonathan Quick. He's going to be their backup. Dallas didn't do much. Seattle didn't do much. Minnesota, Vegas, L.A., Nobody got a really high impact first line center or forward one or two D man. Everybody just stayed pat for some strange reason. reason. And so the winner of this is Colorado. They come out of this deadline, still the favorite. Their players are getting healthy. They're going to go into the playoffs raring to go and they're not going to have much of a pushback. Maybe when they get to the Western Conference finals and they play Dallas or Vegas, that's it. I feel like they win this deadline, maybe just for a lack of activity from the Western Conference. And yes, they get Lars Eller, they bring back Jack Johnson, good depth moves. I get it, but just it was just they were late to the deals. I don't know what it was, but I just didn't like what any team did in the Western Conference. That in the end helps Colorado Avalanche. The other team I like what they did again in the Western Conference, oddly enough, the St. Louis Blues. They had a ton of veterans on expiring contracts. They are in the playoff chase. If they really wanted to push and acquire people, they probably could have made the playoffs. But general manager Doug Armstrong did the strong did the right thing, the strong thing. He said, you know what? We're going to trade. We're going to regroup, come back next year. They trade away Ryan O'Reilly, Ivan Barbashev, Vladimir Tarasenko. They get two first-rounders, a second-rounder, a good prospect, and Zach Dean, and a bunch of other picks and prospects that they can roll into a better player down the road. It's, it's a fantastic move by this GM. And I talked about this I think I went on a show in Toronto or something with never friend of the show Carlo Colovacchio. and um <laughs> what fantastic. what Koliakova What did that, I say? Kolobakko or something <laughs> <laughs> Anyways so it went, and I mentioned this I said I love that this trade deadline there were teams that just said you know what we're not in it we're going to trade people even though we're close We're just going to sell. And one of those teams were the St. Louis Blues. One was the Detroit Red Wings. One was the Nashville Predators. Whereas in years past, and I don't know if I said this on our show, in years past, those teams would maybe push to get into the playoffs. But the way the salary cap is now, you can't do that. You have to plan for next year. And I think it just made them into sellers. There was more sellers this year in years past based on the schedule, based on the standings, I mean, because there's a lot of teams that are close to the playoffs. Detroit's right there. You know what I mean? Nashville could make a push for it, but these teams decided to just kick, kick it to next year. So I I really, really like that. And then obviously the other winners, but another winner is the devils. I think they got the best forward out there. Timo Meyer, not just for this year, but for years past, I don't think he'll get the most points to him in these playoffs. I really don't. I think he is the best player. I don't know if he'll have the most points because I think the Devils are going to get bounced in the first round. I think Kaner is going to get way more points than Timo Meyer, but the best forward on the market who you can control for years moving forward, who's still in his prime, went to the Devils. I think that says a lot. He's going to team up with that young group that they have there. Hughes, Hearshire, they also got a bottom six forward and Curtis Lazar, who, by the way, gets traded all the time. Like yeah. Curtis Lazar is the new, who was the guy who always got Trey, Lee Stemniak? Lee Stemniak, yeah. Like, this guy gets dealt all the time, Mozart. Well, Nemestikov
1: is on, like, his seventh team in four years or something like that. Him, too.
0: Is that a good thing or a bad thing? You tell
1: me. You play for I, think it's a,
0: I think it's, a, I know, it's a bad thing in the <laughs> end because you're not good enough to stay on a team and you're expendable. You don't want to be that guy. Yes, you bounce around, but it's just, the suitors are going to dry up every once in a while. It's like you're a young, hot guy, and you're you're dating all these girls, and then all of a sudden, the girls are just going to be gone. And you're going to be like, what? What's going on? I don't know. Friend of the show, Quinn Rafferty, keeps texting us, Tim. He's ripping on Jack Campbell all the time from the Edmonton. August. Quinn, give him a break for Pete's sake. All right. My losers. I don't like talking bad. I really don't. <laughs> yes, you do. But I will say there was a bunch of losers this trade deadline for the amount of options there were, for the amount of trades that there were. There was a lot of just losers. The Philadelphia Flyers, they're a mess, an absolute mess. They had a deal on the table for JVR. It didn't go, it didn't, didn't turn into a fruition. Justin Braun, they couldn't get rid of him, a veteran defenseman. They didn't do anything for a team that has a third worst record in the Eastern Conference. No path. To contention for years and years and years, instead of trying to trade away your veterans and get some draft picks and prospects that could like accelerate this rebuild they didn 't do anything nothing uh it's very strange what happened and then to to boot Chuck Fletcher just throws JVR into the table he says I called every single team on this guy twice, and there was only one biter right at the end and and they couldn 't pull the trigger it's like how if you're if you're JBR, take how how are you supposed to feel about that? You know what I mean? And he's even he even said in his little comment, I, I was willing to keep fifty percent of a salary. So that's that was very shallow of him. Seattle Kraken didn't do anything. They they got a defenseman, Jacob Magna. What what are you doing? The West is wide open. Make a move. You're you're a, a new franchise. Go for it, Ronnie Francis. I I don't understand the lack of movement. And I I guess all the Western Conference team, Dallas Stars, all they did was get Max Domi, the Winnipeg Jets. You bring in Nito Nito Niederreiter, Vladislav Nemestikov, aforementioned, to get him. It's not doing much. I, I just don't like what they did. And then to finish it off, the creme de la creme. The garbage Arizona Coyotes. We went through them at length last podcast. They were the losers of the losers of the losers of this trade deadline. They had the best player available under contract for two more years and they completely botched it. Completely, utterly botched it. So good for them. They somehow got worse, Tim. On a team where you've, what does my priest always say? It's always, it's always darkest before pitch black the dawn no before pitch black it gets darker and that's what happened with the arizona coyotes they got darker everybody said it can't get any worse than this and it got worse the one shining light the way they were going to get back into contention get some prospects get some first rounders we want three first rounders and some prospects nhl ready prospects they get a first and a second and some slubs we're gonna be garbage and even if they're not garbage, they will turn into garbage when they go to Arizona. And by the way, this isn't on the agenda. Did you see what Kevin Weeks tweeted about the two new franchises that Gary Bettman has in mind? Yeah. What the HE double hockey sticks are we doing here with this NHL? Are we trying to grow it? Or are we trying to just drive it into the ground? Tell me. Atlanta?
1: So third time report- around? Yeah, no, Another know report from um, Andy Strickland said that that's not true. And he got a statement from someone involved and said, like, those two teams are on the list, but they're not even that high on the list. And so this whole rumor, I don't think has anything to it. Although Weeks probably
0: knows better than anyone, but I think I believe what Strick-, what Strick said. Well, I hope so, because if you even try to go back to Atlanta, you should be fired on the spot. And then Houston, I played in Houston. I was going to say beautiful city, but I don't want to lie. Not my type of city. Just a big city, lots of concrete. It, it can't support an NHL team. It, it's, it's not a hockey town. That's all I'll you say. You haven't been there in 20 years. So? It could have so what? a lot. No, it hasn't. It's the same <laughs> demographic. It's right. Friday Night Lights. It's a football town. Our practice rink was right next to a high school, a small high school in Houston. Friday night, that place would be packed, packed solid. We were in the the first round of the playoffs with the Houston Arrows, maybe the second. Nobody was there because it was summertime. We would average two, 3,000 during the year. As soon as the summertime came around and we would hit the playoffs, nobody would come to the games. And so it's just, it's it's not a hockey town. So please don't go to Atlanta. Please don't go to Houston. Stay north stay North. Nobody cares about hockey in the South for the most part. There are little pockets here and there, but they're few and far between. So yes, we've done the winners. We've done the losers. What are the takeaways from the trade deadline, Tim? What did you take away?
1: Well, one of the things like, wh- why do you think it was so crazy, busy and chaotic and exciting and fun and so many moves compared to other years? Cause there have been a lot of duds. where like, you know, one or two guys are going to get traded. And then like nothing else really happens. A couple of minor moves. This year was the best one in recent memory, the one that I can remember in terms of the the volume of trades in terms of the the quality of players that got dealt. Is it the cap situation? Is this the new norm or is that just uh just the just the way it went and next year is a clean slate?
0: Well, I think it was a a number of things. two things can be true at the same time where you had a influx of potential u f a s but then the cap thing definitely helps, and like I said earlier gms are starting to plan their teams one two three four years down the road because they can't expect a little bump in salary cap Where in years past you're like okay you know what maybe i'll take on this salary i know we're going to get three four five million dollars injected into the system so i can afford to maybe take on one bad contract for this year knowing i can add, add another player next year with that extra money that's not the case So these guys have to plan and use their analytics and get their banker in there and say, okay, what is it going to look like when, okay, if I'm the Detroit Red Wings, we're going to need to sign Mo Sider. We're going to need to sign Lucas Raymond. We're going to need to sign all these young guys. What's it going to look like? Because the money's just not there anymore, Tim. And these young guys aren't getting any cheaper. So you have to really be smart with your money and your finances. And I think they're playing the long game. And because they're playing the long game, they have to trade good assets when it comes to the deadline. And that's what happened. And I mentioned it with those teams. And that's why there were so many deals. And I, it's great. It stinks for hockey a little bit because you just have, after this deadline, you have the teams that are going to be vying for the Stanley Cup, right? I think it's pretty black and white in the East and the West, what teams are going to make it right now. There might be three or four teams vying for the last two spots in the East. The West is pretty pretty black and white who's going to make it who's not going to make it so there's no battles down the stretch for those last few spots but it does make it interesting for the years following there should be more parity at the start of this season and then everybody regroups of the trade deadline but this is all because of the the trade de- the the uh, salary cap that's the so only reason i think
1: my my next question i'm guessing it's, it kind of goes hand in hand the fact that there are so many trades in, in advance of a deadline in the seven to 10 days leading up to it, as opposed to on the day of, which is usually what you see. Is that kind of the same reason?
0: I don't know. I think GMs are starting to get wise as to you tend to get better deals earlier now for some reason. And when it gets down to the wire, I don't think you see GMs panicking anymore and just bidding wars happening on players. It's very strange where in years past, there would be three or four teams vying for one player and you could just parlay GMs off of each other and be like, well, this guy's offering you this and just bounce it back and forth. Now you almost have to sell your player because salary cap space is valuable. It, times are different. It's almost like the housing market right now where it's, it's starting to come back to normal. There, it's, it's just very strange. It's a different system than it was 10 years ago. Where you could just, if you had a Patrick Kane 10 years ago, there would be 10 teams just throwing draft picks and prospects at him just for that one playoff run. Knowing full well that they were going to probably lose him in the offseason. And it's all because of the cap. It's all because of the value of draft picks and money. And you don't want to just let that go for nothing. So it's just... Gosh, if you're a GM selling somebody right now, it was not a good deadline for you unless you made a savvy move and traded someone early like the St. Louis Blues did. They got rid of Tarasenko early. They got rid of O'Reilly early, and they were the biggest winner of all the sellers. And then there was Nashville Predator. I think those two teams did well acquiring prospects and draft picks because they did it early. Then you look at the stupid GM in Arizona who tries to drag everybody along. We got got to spare. We got Chitrin. We got these really great defensemen and he gets nothing for them in relation to their value. So yeah, it's a, it's a different kind of a trade deadline. It's almost a trade month, right? Where it's like, okay, here comes a deadline. Where are we at? Let's start working the phones. Whereas in years past, you would wait until the week before, and then you start really getting after it. So
1: yeah, Someone's it's changed. Like, it's like that Adam Sandler song instead of one special day you get eight crazy nights that's sort of what it was this year and then so, yeah in response to uh yeah the GM not getting as much as they wanted for certain players so let's look at Chicago they did not get a first round pick for Patrick Kane That's like, for a lot of reasons partly because the contract the age partly because they had no bargaining power that was probably the biggest reason everyone knew Kane wanted he wanted gone everyone knew he wanted to win to the Rangers and so They did not get a first round pick, but look at all the players that were traded for a first round at this deadline. Tyler Bertuzzi, Jacob Chitrin, Philip Ronick, Gavrikov slash Corposalo from Columbus, Ekholm, Rasmus Sandin, McCabe and Lafferty, Janot, Meyer, O'Reilly and Achari, Tarasenko and Horvat all traded for first round picks,
0: Uh, but Patrick Kane was not. Which one of those players is not under term for next year? Because Horvat resigned, Timo re resigned. Janoel still has term left on his contract. So does no, McCabe. Janoel is expiring. Bertuzzi is expiring. He's an RFA though, isn't he? Both of those guys. I don't think Bertuzzi is. Um, mm, maybe McCabe has term. Sandine has term. All these. A lot of these guys have term. So I think that makes a difference. I don't think Tarasenko does. But that plays a part these days but maybe gms are getting wise to the fact that first rounders don't mean anything anymore especially if you're a high pick like bertuzzi going to boston that's just essentially a second rounder at this point when you're picking 32nd or 31st whatever it is it's not going to be a good player who's going to make a difference right away maybe you get lucky and he's going to be an impact player down the road but i don't know i don't mind it trade your first rounders they don't mean anything unless you're top 10 you probably love first rounders you stockpile them right tim then you no. stare at them and you feel good. You're like, oh, look at all the first rounders I got. It's going to be great. Like those Arizona fans who were giving me a hard time. We're rebuilding. Look at how many picks we got. Still going to suck. I love Arizona. I feel like I feel bad saying stuff about that franchise because I do love them. It was the same way with San Jose when I was just really on a San Jose hump, when I was just going after them all the time.
1: You know? Well, We got a message yesterday or this morning about you being harsh on the Minnesota Wild lately, which I haven't really noticed. Maybe other people have picked up on that, but you don't hate them either, correct?
0: No, I don't. I I don't hate anybody, Tim. Hate's a strong word. The Wild have been playing great hockey, too. They really have. They've been playing really cohesive ever since they got Ryan Reeves, Revo, friend of the show, three-time friend of the show, two-time? Maybe three. I don't know. i tell you what, that team, him and Marcus Flano, they corner, corner... Hold the corner block stone, I don't know, of the uh, dropping the gloves friends. But anyway, I don't hate Minnesota. Well, what did I I, say?
1: The only thing I can think of is you've been critical of them because of the cap situation and for not playing
0: well when they weren't playing well. But I don't think you were particularly harsh on them. I don't think they're going to win anything. I think they're going to get bounced in the first round. They're going to play Colorado first round. Think they're going to win that? Nope. And I love Minnesota. I started my career there. But, yeah, going back to the first-rounders versus Patrick Kane, the Blackhawks got cornered. They only had two teams to trade them to them, allegedly, Toronto or New York. Toronto made it clear. They made their move. They got Ryan O'Reilly. They weren't interested in Kane. Then it was one team. And so if you're Chris Drew in the New York Rangers, you pretty much write your own ticket. You're like, well, I'll give you this. If not, you can keep them, and we'll get them in the offseason. So that, that's how it went down. It was not a great tactic. If you're Kyle Davidson, maybe you don't say he only gave you two teams. I don't know know exactly how it went down, but when you're negotiating from that kind of just deficit, you're not getting a really big turn for a guy like Patrick Kane. And by the way, he's been non-existent ever since he's gone to New York. It's invisible. Zero points. Yeah, It, it has not been a good start for the Rangers getting these two guys, but I'm not worried. They'll figure it out. They'll get into the playoffs. The guy is a proven playoff performer. And he's going to do fine. They already know they're playing the Rangers and Devils in the first round. It's going to be the Subway Series. It's going to be great. I'm excited for it. Moving on. Speaking of the East, why don't we do a little update on where the teams are, Tim? After the trade deadline, a week, half a week's been played. Some teams are starting to pick it up. Some teams are faltering. What's going on in the East?
1: Yeah, the East, the the race for the wild card is really a six team race, although you can get more granular than that. But this Islanders, Pittsburgh Sabers, Senators, Florida, and Washington are all within one go- uh, win of each other and within four points of each other in the standing. So it's super super tight. Although you have seen Washington, they won a couple recently, but they were sellers at the deadline, like we mentioned, and they have faltered a lot where they were kind of had that first wild card spot on lockdown for a good chunk of the season. And now they are sixth in the standings among wild card spots. So they're kind of probably on their way out as is Florida. Meanwhile, Sabres have played really, really well, which we weren't surprised. We think we expected them to make a late push, but I didn't realize the senators seven, two and one in their last 10, one, five in a row. They are the second highest winning percentage since January 1st among the entire NHL, second only to the Carolina Hurricanes. They've won a lot of hockey games recently, they're making a really strong push late
0: for a playoff spot. And the Bruins aren't even in the top. That's, that's interesting. They're third, yep. And I actually question the Senators. In my head, I didn't, I didn't say it on the show. It's like, why are they getting Chitron at this point? Why not just try to wait till the offseason? But they, they are going all in on this year. They want to win. It's you got to give it to them. Pierre Dorian flees Arizona. He brings in Brinca, Giroux, all these young players. Resigns all his young core. They're playing good hockey. They they really. I might have to change my tune because I think not too long ago I said these guys are never going to win. It's a waste of space. I don't know if I said that. I can't remember. It sounds like something I would say. But do you think they're going to get in? Because the Islanders are there. The Penguins are there. Buffalo and Ottawa are knocking at the door, and then you got these Florida Panthers. They're the team that I think could go on a run. They did it last year. They pretty much have the same team. I know they got rid of Huberto. Kachuk's having a great year. Are they going to be the team, Tim, that disrupts everything? Where they thought we they were left for dead after the horrible first half they had, and they just come back and just storm the wild card, and then they just make a mess of the playoffs because they're the new team. They got a new. They got a new identity. Who do you think? Are you going to redo your picks from last month or who's going to be the two wildcard teams? So I said Islanders and Pittsburgh, right? And yep. those are the two teams
1: that are currently in it. So the, the pick is looking pretty good as of today. I don't see Florida making a push. I don't think they scare anybody. I don't think – I. to me, they're one of the least interesting – I wouldn't say they're not likable, but they're not likable. Like, I don't dislike them, but I don't like them at all. And so I just don't – yeah, I don't see that happening. I do. I would love for the Sabres and the Senators to be to be those two teams that make the playoff spot. That would be so much fun watching those teams play in the playoffs. Just seeing a ch- Chitrin and and DeBrinkin, seeing Tage Thompson and those guys, cousins, friends of the show. Watching those guys in the playoffs would be a lot of fun. Two of the better, probably more exciting storylines in the league right now are those two teams. So I would love to see that. But the problem that they have is that they're both, they're both among the top five teams in terms of toughest schedule remaining, um, which obviously doesn't work in their favor. So they might start to string, up to string together some losses in a row, and all of a sudden Pittsburgh and Islanders and maybe Florida start to win a handful of games, and the gap starts to separate
0: a little bit. So, I wonder when the last time all the teams in the New York State made the playoffs, Rangers, Islanders, Sabres, and I guess you could include the Devils. In that, I know they're in New Jersey, but we'll we'll include them in this uh, little game. All four of those teams making the playoffs—that would be quite the the feat. But as it's lining up right now, it would not surprise me if the Islanders and the Sabers are the last two teams in the wild card. Sabers are playing good hockey. Pittsburgh, for whatever, whatever reason, if they get in, they'll be dangerous. Uh, I, I don't like their hockey right now. I, I really don't. So. It's going to be interesting. I think Buffalo still gets in. I think they get the first wild card position. They're playing really good hockey. And then gosh, Ottawa is really playing great. It's going to be Ottawa or the Islanders for the second pick. I don't want the Islanders to get in for some reason. I don't know. I just don't want them to get in. Who do
1: you think is best for the league? Like, what does Bettman want? Which teams is, is he rooting for here?
0: I think the teams that are in there right now, the Islanders and Pittsburgh. I think it's always good to have Malkin and Crosby and Letang. And just that star power in the playoffs and if you can match that up in a first round matchup versus the bruins that's that's a very good sellable first round matchup even if it's a four game sweep by boston you can sell that people will watch that that'll be the prime time matchup in the first round and then you want the islanders because it's just a big market it's new york people are very passionate about the islanders in Long Island, it would, it would be a no-brainer sell. You don't want Buffalo because it's a niche market, small, doesn't really get a lot of nationwide. Ottawa would be good because it's in Canada. Florida would stink. Washington would stink. Detroit would be okay. But, yeah, you want those big market, high-end players. Obviously, the Islanders they went on and got Bo Horvat. That would be a fun storyline. So, I don't know. But I, I just think at the end of the day, if you're Gary Bettman, you just want Boston to, to go all the way. That's the team. They've been the storyline all year. There's lots of fun characters on that team, especially getting Tyler Bertuzzi. You got Marchand. You got the stoic captain and Patrice Bergeron. You got the good young defenseman. You got all the ingredients, everything you want in a Stanley Cup contender on and off the ice. They are the team. But then maybe you throw in the Toronto Maple Leafs. This is the year. Get the monkey off their back. What you don't want is the Hurricanes if you're a Gary Bettman. No one's going to watch that. If it's a hurricane Dallas stars final or a hurricanes, Colorado avalanche lowest ratings ever, ever for a Stanley cup final. I'm just calling it right now. Nobody wants the And the hurricanes are so good. They just waxed the Tampa Bay lightning last night. Tampa Bay only got 14 shots. I checked the record. The record is 10 shots that the Sabres got held to in 2006. I want to say the year after I left. So it wasn't my team 14 shots we a team that's made the Stanley cup finals three times in a row and won two of them. That's incredible. Tim, that's like less than five shots a period. Are you kidding me? Carolina looks very, very good. You say they have the best record since January 1st in the NHL. Yep. Man, the Eastern conference playoff situation is so incredibly fun. All right, let's move to the West. What's going on in the West?
1: yeah well, I think we can pretty much say the West is sort of wrapped up. It's a matter of standing positioning now, but I'm ready to say that the eight teams in the car, playoff spots now are gonna be the eight teams. I don't see calgary they they're looking worse week over week, not better. Nashville, as we know were major sellers up a deadline, so they'll start to trickle off. It's down to Winnipeg and Edmonton those two, two wild card wild card spots. Winnipeg was kind of surprising, only three wins in their last ten and you you thought like they held the second spot in their in their central for a while. And now they've they've fallen down a couple of uh, spots to Minnesota and Colorado, but they'll still be in the playoffs. So I think we're ready to basically say that these eight teams are the, are the final.
0: Yeah. It's, it's not fun to talk about the West. It really isn't. Maybe this is why Minnesota fans get on me, but it's just out of these eight teams that are going to make the Stanley cup playoffs, Tim Winnipeg, Edmonton, Seattle, LA Vegas, Colorado, Minnesota, Dallas, is there one team that is actually a Stanley Cup contender at this point? Colorado. You think so? At this point. I think Dallas is too. You do? Yep. Dallas has an incredible goal differential. They got plus 45. Best second best in the league right now. Like they they're a good team, but it's just not They're in the West. It's just a really bad division and conference. It just is really, really bad. I love Dallas. Joe Pavelski, friend of the show. Love that guy. I hope he wins the cup. I can't trust even Colorado right now. I don't like them as much as I like the top six teams in the East. So, yes, good for the West. All the eight teams are locked up. The Jets are just having a train wreck last month. I don't know what happened with them, but it doesn't matter. Does it really matter? If a tree falls in the woods, does anybody hear it? Because nobody cares. Nobody cares about the West until the Western Conference Finals. That's how I look at it. The first round is going to be incredibly boring. It'll be LA and Seattle. Who cares? It'll be Dallas-Winnipeg. Who cares? It'll be Vegas-Edmonton. Who cares? Minnesota-Colorado. I'll watch that one. That's the only series I'll watch. Eh, Am I too shrewd to say that? I'm going to have to watch it because I'm a professional and we do this podcast, but it doesn't give me the feel goodies. Like when I look at the Eastern matchups, Devils, Rangers. Yeah. Leafs, Tampa Bay. Oh, salivating. Boston, Pittsburgh. Yeah. Carolina Islanders. Yes. Every one of those matchups I think is going six, seven games. Even the Bruins in Pittsburgh, I think will go six games.
1: But don't you get excited about the idea of McDavid and the Oilers going on a run and just seeing that flash of offense and that skill and that high-tempo, like high-octane offense moving forward round after round? Like That, as a hockey fan, objectively,
0: it would be very exciting. They will be bounced first round. Bye. The Knights or the Dallas Stars, whoever they end up matching up with in the first round, they will get bounced in the first round. I don't think... They get into the top three in the Pacific. I know they're only two points behind Seattle. They're only four points behind L.A. I think they stay in the wild card. They're playing garbage hockey, Edmonton. They really are. They keep throwing Jack Campbell out there. He's not playing that great. Stuart Skinner is not much better. I don't know. What do you think? Do you think they're going to make a run this playoffs? Yeah, I do. I hope so. I would love. I mean, I'm I'm rooting for
1: them to do it. I'm rooting for them to do it because I think it would be very exciting. And I think we have to see what McDavid can do over several series. Love to see him make the cup finals, but I don't
0: know. All right, let's do some quick hits and I got to get out of here.
1: Uh, Lucic and Reeves, quote unquote, almost fought last night based on my shrewd observation. You saw them kind of go at each other a little bit. Reeves didn't seem like he wanted it. So I don't know if it was because he was up for a couple of goals. Didn't want to give Lucic any momentum, but they play again on Tuesday. So we could see a rematch uh, of the fight that didn't happen yet. The Bruins are on a 10-game goal streak, 10-game winning streak. Excellent. It's not even that big a deal because of the season they're having, 10 games. is like, yeah, good for them. And then we didn't touch on this, but during the chaos of the trade deadline, Dylan Larkin resigned eight years, $8.7 million in Detroit. What do you think of that number?
0: It seems like an overpay. It does. For as good as all the deals have been throughout the league, this is an overpay for Detroit. I don't, don't you think 8.7? The guy's never even come close to a hundred points in a year. That's a lot of money, a lot of money for this kid.
1: Yeah. My only kind of reaction on that was like, if you don't do it, who do you get? Like you're going to pay for somebody else. And you already know he fits in that system. You already know he works for that franchise and you get a big hole if you let him go. So if you don't do it, you kind of have to,
0: you know, JT Miller look great. Detroit Red Wings, red and white. Should have traded for him. All right, everybody. I have to run, go read books to my kids. I'm the mystery reader today at their school. So I'm very excited to go and doing that. We will talk to you guys on Wednesday. I hope you have a good week. Cheers. Thanks for listening to Dropping the Gloves with John Scott, a member of the Nation Network of Podcasts. Subscribe wherever you get your podcast from to never miss an episode.